but it's not just an emotional feeling of unsafety. Trauma survivors often experience a disconnection between their body and their mind. So imagine going through life like that, that they can lose awareness of their body as a way for their brain to avoid any sensation that reminds them of what they had experienced. So basically, in essence, they don't even trust themselves. Welcome to Spiritually Hungry. Welcome, Michael. Welcome. Kind of lost in thought there. I like being lost in thought. Don't you love that feeling? It's one of my favorite feelings. Nobody likes that, though, if they're in your company. Like, <laughs> do that on your own time. <laughs> Today, we're talking about a sensitive topic, but one that's well worth diving into. It's how to heal from trauma emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Did you know that 5% of adults in the United States experience effects of PTSD? It seems like a small percentage, I thought, but that's actually over 17 million people. That's a lot of people who need to process trauma. And by the way, that number might not even really be accurate because those are the only people who have had medical diagnosis of PTSD. Some people have never been diagnosed. And to add to it, most of us, all of us probably, have experienced some kind of trauma. Right. This is from research by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, has shown that one in five Americans was sexually molested as a child. One in five? Right. One in four was beaten by a parent to the point of a mark being left on their body. And one in three couples engages in physical violence. A quarter of us grew up with alcoholic relatives, and one out of eight witnessed their mother being beaten or oh, hit. God, horrible! I'm sure and, some and murder too. So the point the point is that that we're literally the majority of the people around us, if not ourselves, have experienced trauma. So if five percent for PTSD, that's you know extre- a, a large yeah. number of people, but that's an extreme, and probably a lot of it probably veterans and people who have been rewards and, and, and that type of trauma. But the, the bottom line is, and I think this is so important as a topic, is that there are, I was going to say, hundreds of millions, probably billions of people. So much of our world is filled with people who have experienced deep and, and, and therefore lasting trauma. And therefore, I think, for, I think for many of our listeners who are somewhere in that continuum, I think this is a very important topic too, both to think about, to discuss, and hopefully have some spiritual tools that all of us can use in this process of, of being able to both understand the trauma that those of us have experienced, and also, more importantly, this, maybe the spiritual significance, and some of the tools that we can use to, to, to grow from it. I'm one of those statistics that I have witnessed, of course, verbal, but also physical abuse in the house, and I've also experienced it. And I, I often ask myself that question of, because I was only physically abused by one person, but for many years, and and oh, that's then funny. that's funny. I totally forgot. I, I know the story because I'm not. I don't carry that, right. and I would never let anybody do that to me ever again. I was a kid, but I often like have asked myself, just you know, spiritually speaking, or why did I have to go through that in this life? You know, what was the the reason for? Because I certainly don't take responsibility for that. And I don't feel like I deserved it, or I don't have any of those kinds of thoughts around it, but. I have all kinds of thoughts. I think one that I decided, what I tried to take from it was that it helped me become stronger and absolutely made me become a person who I knew what I would never ever tolerate. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because I, you know, I, I, 
you know, thank God we talked to our kids and like, and then I look at you, like certain people have never had that experience yeah. in life. And then I wonder, you know, yeah. It's, I was actually thinking about this today, and obviously there's different levels of, of trauma, but I think that there's a, there is a way, and I think a spiritual practice and, and use of its tools are an important part of it, to not only alleviate any residual effects of trauma, but also to use it, as you often speak about, as an as, as a avenue of growth. Right, because everything does happen for a reason, and of course some things are unfathomable and disgusting and there's no justification for it but yet bad things do happen to good people right the only time i ever see kind of a residue of that i think is if i am being bullied or verbally attacked my body will react like i'm being physically attacked like there is that kind of you know and but yeah so um let's just talk about the different kinds of trauma and break that down. So there's physical trauma and there's emotional trauma. Some emotional trauma can happen in an instant, right? Like witnessing a horrible accident or somebody falling off a horse. Others happen over time, like verbal and physical abuse by a parent or a spouse. But what each of these different kinds of trauma have in common is that they make us feel unsafe. And that then leads to how you're able to navigate through life successfully or not. The work of overcoming trauma is recovering a sense of safety, which is important to note because it's the basic human requirement. I love referencing Maslow's hierarchy of needs because he places security as the foundational need, meaning that our need for safety, if it's not met, we struggle with higher level needs like love, intimacy, and connection, to name a few. So when we don't feel safe, we have a hard time creating those other things. So on his pyramid, it's self-actualization, it's the desire to become the most that one can be. Under that is esteem, respect, self-esteem, status, recognition, strength, and freedom. Then it's love and belonging, which is friendship, intimacy, family, sense of connection. Then safety needs, which is personal security, employment, health, prosperity, property, sorry. And then physiological needs, which is air, water, food, shelter. So obviously the first thing you need is your physiological, but then it's safety. And when those are not met, it's very hard to have the other three. So at the core of trauma is fear, and it's specifically fear of not feeling safe. So imagine how many people are going through life wounded, but also not feeling safe, not being able to trust, not being able to create the life that they want because they're stuck in a state. Right, and I think that the other part to that, which is really important, is, is that when an individual experiences trauma and hasn't really gone through the process of knowing it and then trying to... Uh, grow from it or heal it, he or she will then lash out in different ways, either actively or by not being present towards others, especially those that they love. Well, another interesting note, I agree, but I think it's something really powerful to consider. It's not just an emotional feeling of unsafety. Trauma survivors often experience a disconnection between their body and their mind. So imagine going through life like that, that they can lose awareness of their body as a way for their brain to avoid any sensation that reminds them of what they had experienced. So basically, in essence, they don't even trust themselves. And if you don't have that, I think it's really difficult to be able to not even hope for a better life, but to live a better one. Right. And, and not, again, and not only for yourself, right, for your partner, for your children, right, for, for, for those around you. By the way, just as an aside, there's a great book that talks about this. It's called The Body That Keeps the Score. It's Brain, Mind, and Body in the Healing of Trauma. And he has amazing research. Who's the author? Besser van der Kolk is the author. 
and he has a ton of research. He's worked in hospitals and and he has example after example of what happens to the body when the the mind and body connection is not strong and things have not been processed. If you don't, if you're not able to get the trauma out, to speak about it, to change the way you think about it, to change your experience of it, then the body starts to respond to it because something's responding. And if you shut it down long and long enough, it's going to express itself somewhere. And in his book, he expresses the different ways it becomes manifested in the body. And therefore, I think this may be an important place for our listeners. Again, and, and almost all of our listeners have experienced one degree or another of trauma, some uh, more extreme, others uh, less so. But I think, and one of the things I think he speaks about in, in that book is the fact that that the first step is to to speak about, to know the trauma that one has experienced and the effect that it's having on their current life and relationships or or, or lack thereof. And and I would ask our listeners to really think in life. You know, some people you know, might be, and this often manifests as anger, right? A person might be an angry person, and he or she might think, well, I'm just an angry person because, you know, X, Y, or Z, but really the source of that is is a trauma that they experienced earlier in life. So I would ask our listeners to really try to take the time, because I think, and again, the point that is made by so much of the work around extreme trauma and its healing is that if you, if you don't take the time to know the trauma that you experience, and to speak about it, then you ha- you can't really take the next steps into into healing from that. So, a, th- a thousand percent. And obviously, we are not licensed therapists. And so, if you want to go and delve deeper into trauma and the effects of it, and get help from a, a licensed professional, I I suggest you do that. I just want to be clear because I think a lot of you know those words that are thrown around so easily now, like oh, I was traumatized by that conversation, or you know, I was triggered by that. And it becomes, but trauma is not something bad that happened to you that you feel sad about, right? Trauma is something that inhibits you to, to your ability to function normally day in and day out, right? It affects the way you are full stop and you're not really able to go on. And some, again, are able to process it and others are not. And, and the big key is speaking about it. So I want to give you an example because I know there's two people I know and, and one had a snowboarding injury and he was airlifted off the mountain. He underwent multiple surgeries on his spine, his legs, and he had to relearn to walk over the course of a year. And guess what? He's still snowboarding. Now you might say, well, that's just his personality and he's courageous or brave. But I think what it really was, was he was able to fully process it in such a way that he was able to get past the trauma and still enjoy snowboarding. A friend of mine also, another friend, was in a car accident with her kids. I was saying, if it's the same friend. If no. <laughs> and her kids were in the back seat. And immediately after, her son declared he never wanted to ride in a car again, which is completely understandable, but obviously not very practical. He didn't feel safe getting into the car. And both kids constantly talked about the car accident in the day that followed. They would bring it up in random times, changing the topic to circle back to the car accident. My friend listened each time they wanted to talk. She's a really great mom. So Do talking, I know this person? You don't know her intimately. The talking was part of processing trauma of the accident. They recalled all of the sensory details, the screech of the tires, the impact of the crash, the lights from the ambulance, the police officers who asked if they were okay. After only one day at home resting, my friend got her kids in the car to go take them for ice cream, which is really smart on her part. (laughs) Even though it was a different car and the trip was in the daytime instead of the nighttime when the accident occurred, they were apprehensive and didn't want to get in the car. She talked them through the whole ride, noticing things in the car, things outside the window. 
She let them talk as much as about the accident as they wanted. Then they got the ice cream and they went home without an incident. Over time, the conversation about the accident tapered off until eventually they stopped bringing it up. It became part of their past because they had a safe way to process it. When my friend brings up the accident, which now happened over two years ago, they recall the details, but the memory is no longer traumatic. And that is, that's the healthy way to get through trauma. Because imagine, right? Somebody else can have the same situation or substitute with another traumatic event, but the child's not allowed to talk about it. Like when I know this a lot, children are not allowed to talk about divorce. Children are not allowed to talk about how one parent died early, right? Or were sick for certain things because the parent's having a hard time processing it, right? Or for whatever reason, and they aren't able to process it and it becomes a trauma that's still felt in the body and mind. I think it's a very important point that I think, again, because like you said, there are extreme ways that we are affected by trauma. And then there's, you know, I, you know, obviously you can't, you can't compare a person who loses a, ch- a parent at a young age to somebody whose parents divorce at a young age, but the pain and the scars can be as, as strong and as powerful. And I, and I remember recently, I thought it was very insightful of you. We were talking to a friend of ours who, who has children and he, when, when they were younger, he went through a very difficult divorce. And and we were talking about one of the, one of the children, maybe some of the challenges that he was going through. And you said, you know, have you ever really spoken about the process of the divorce? And the answer was no. And and even though this is now what probably ten years later, maybe even more, you can see that his child stuck, and he, he well, it's- yeah. So and 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 what and what I wanted to add is, as you said, the reason why one of the reasons why he didn't want to address it is because it wasn't comfortable for him for the father. But I think part of hopefully the the because underst- he also has his own wounds. But the point is, the change has to start with someone because then it's cyclical, right? It's passed down generation after generation after generation because we're not learned, we're not taught what to do with negative feelings, especially the deepest wounds. Right, and therefore I think what I'd like to encourage our listeners is that even if it's difficult for you. I would strongly recommend, especially in, in family dynamics such as that, when there is a, some level of trauma, to really push yourself to open up that conversation. And it because, can seem counterintuitive, right, at the time. Who want like the accident just happened, and to talk about it and relive it and vivid details, but it's a powerful tool in releasing trauma. Like I know, I don't know if anybody of our listeners have any um, experience with rescue dogs. But the impact of the trauma is seen many years after, and it's really it's an obvious way to see what's less obvious in people, right? So my friend's dog goes to his safe place on the couch whenever somebody takes a broom out. Now she rescued him, and they are not hurting their dog, but he sees a broom and he associates that, and he goes to this place where he can calm himself, like his corner in his bed. So we have the same reaction to those things if we haven't processed it, right? But we don't see it as clearly. But that's the same thing that's happening to us. Absolutely. And that, so I think so that, that that's what one very important tool, but either internally to think of the causes of certain behaviors and fears that plague us and their source, and really take the time, like you said, either with a therapist or you know just to have that conversation and to bring it out into the open. And second, those of us who are involved in, in a dynamic, if it's a parent who who whose children were part of the divorce, to really take the time to open up that conversation. I, I, I've shared this before, but one of the great gifts among so many that my mother gave myself and even to you, is that in the last years that she was in this, in this world, she really 
uh, push to open up any type of previous wounds that that there were. And it's a it's a beautiful gift that you give your children or anybody that you really care about in your life, even if it's not easy for you or it might even be painful for you. But opening that up really allows for healing. But it also humanizes us, right? Like to bring the example with your mom, when we had those really difficult conversations, like we basically locked ourselves in her apartment for three days and we talked about everything. And and what it does is it creates empathy, right? You can see where was her pain, you know, what trauma did she have in her childhood or growing up? Where was lack? So then you can understand certain things, right? That's and then you look at yourself and you say, okay, where am I holding on to this? It makes us all human and it connects us in the truest way. Right. Right. And I've spoken many times to people who come with issues around their childhood and the way they were treated, mistreated by their parents. I think a very important spiritual rule which which we need to use, and I know that I use this in, in, in life all the time, is the fact that, and, and this has to be understood correctly, but that the, whatever you went through, your soul needed to go through. You needed to go through. And it, it might not be right, meaning what occurred, the father, mother, whoever it was, did. It doesn't make their behavior right. But you have to separate your experience in life from the person, even a perpetrator, who who did something negative to you. I just want to add to what you're saying. It's it's a hard pill to swallow because, like I said before, bad things happen to good people all the time. So we're really I want to be very clear about what we're saying. It doesn't mean that it's fair, especially when children are involved. We have to take fairness, though, out of the conversation altogether, because it's not fair. It's never going to be fair. But from a spiritual point of view, it's not about fair. It's about growth, connection, process, tikkun, whatever is set up in front of us is for our growth, right? That's why you forgot that I was ever abused, because I never talk about it. And it doesn't hold anything over me, because I really, I always ask, you know, why is this in my life? Any hardship, it's anything that's the worst parts of my life that have happened. Why did this happen? What can I learn from it? What am I supposed to learn from it? How can I change and grow for my betterment? Not because I'm bad, but what, right? And and you do see a lot of people who get past trauma, like they'll go and help people who then are suffering from that, right? They use it as a way to be a powerful motivator for other people. So again, it's not fair. It never was. It might never be. We really can't let ourselves dwell on fairness. We heal when we put our focus on what are we going to do with those experiences? How are we going to let them inform us and change us into the kind of person we want to be? And how can we grow from those experiences? And but again, what I do want to add, which I think is a very important truth that, as you said, and I, and I use on a daily basis, the fact that whatever we go through, from birth, even before we're born, throughout our lives, is a perfect situation and process that our soul needed to go through, right? It doesn't make the behavior, anybody inflicting it upon us, their behavior can still be wrong. And again, I, I use this silly example, but I, I, I was actually talking about this at dinner the other night with a few of our of our friends. And I said, if I turned to the other side of the table, and one of our friends was sitting there, and I slapped him on the face. You love the slapping. I love thing. the slapping. Of course, what I did was wrong. I shouldn't. So you just edited that part. I love the slapping. I love the slapping. They just played that like as a meme with your face <laughs> and your hat. 
<laughs> the Swedish chef. Yes. So obviously I shouldn't have slapped him, but the the spiritual understanding is that he needed to he needed to experience that slap. So to really be able to separate the perpetrator from the experience. And and this is again certainly somebody who's in in the beginning of their spiritual journey and understanding. This isn't an easy process. It is not an easy thought in consciousness, but I know in my own life that it is a very powerful tool once you, I don't want to say the word master, because it's always higher and higher levels. But for all of us who have experience, who do experience, who will experience these great or small traumas in life, knowing that my experience is the right one that I, in my soul's journey, needed, Again, does not make anything that anybody else did to me their behavior okay, but it does place me in the in the right situation from which I need to grow and change what my soul actually chose. That's a very important spiritual tool to to help us get past hurt and trauma and any really any challenge that we experience, have experienced and will experience in life. Because unprocessed trauma doesn't allow us to live in the present. We're in the past all the time. And that's very often why people get stuck in life, and they don't really ever live the life that they wanted. They can't find a place where they're happy, because they're stuck in this loop. Your father, the Rav, taught us that we're only true healers of ourselves. And think about that from a spiritual perspective. Nobody, you can't make, you can't undo what's done. You can't make somebody apologize for what they did to you. And even if they did, it's not going to take away the pain, right? The only way to heal is for you to make the decision to heal. And there are, you know, there are many ways to do that, even with science and microdosing today and all kinds of things. Well, there, I mean, for post-traumatic stress, it, sure. it, they found that as a, a helpful tool. We're not going to go into that right now, but um, but it's an inside job. Yeah. And I think there, there's another very important, I think, spiritual perspective that I'd like to share with our listeners as well. And this is especially for those who who experience extreme trauma or extreme difficulty. There's that understanding that the greater a soul's potential is, the more challenges that he or she are meant to and able to overcome. And, and tell me if this, I hope this doesn't get too, too deep or too technical, but every negative situation we've ever experienced has within it a tremendous amount of light and blessings that we can and are meant to uncover. A person who experienced great challenge is because they have a greater soul, they have a greater potential, they have a greater ability to transform that darkness into light. Wait, say that again, anybody who has experienced? Who has experienced. But that just sounds like across the board, some people never experience that, and they still are like you. You haven't. Right, but, but I'm talking to the person who has experienced okay. the great challenge, to know that that's an indication of the fact that they have a tremendous light to reveal in this world. And and again, even though it's very difficult to to accept or at times experience that difficulty, that trauma, that darkness, 
was actually given to them for the purpose of changing it for them, and then hopefully for others, into a source of, of light and blessings. But some, yeah, I mean, I hear you. But that's any challenge, right? Right, yeah. But I'm saying, but the greater the challenge, the greater the person. Which I think, because part of the what happens when a person experiences trauma, and this is again borne out in, in the research, that survivors of trauma often begin to fear that they are damaged to the core and beyond redemption. Right, that's true. The opposite is true, and this is this is my point. Yeah, I think you needed to set it up with that. Yes. Go ahead. Your point. <laughs> no, because I think that that's the thing. It, it's what it does to a person, and it, it it shows them the opposite of what actually is available for them. It takes them further away from themselves. Right? We said the body mind connection takes them further away from their source, from the creator. It takes them further away from purpose, and they're just stuck in this loop of fear and doubt and disconnection. Right. And what what I'm sharing is that the opposite is true. That that those who have experience, and it's a tremendous amount of our society, as we know, that have experienced the greater traumas, those are the ones whose potential is so much greater. So that they are not certainly damaged at the core and beyond redemption. They are actually amongst the greatest souls in this world. And even just knowing that, I think, is one strength or one step towards the healing and overcoming that darkness. Well, we look at some of the leaders, right, who have been inflicted by enormous pain, been sentenced to prison, had, you know, like unimaginable, but then based on what you're saying, they were destined for leadership and to influence millions of people all over the world. And I and I and I find great inspiration from those. I, I sometimes share the story, but one of my one of the people I know we both find very inspiring is a great Kabbalist who was killed in the Warsaw Ghetto during the Holocaust during World War II. And um, one of the stories is that on on the eve of a of a day of celebration, of a holiday, the the Germans bombed the, the ghetto and his daughter and son in law were killed. And one can imagine how painful a Kevin can only begin to imagine how painful that must have been for him. But that night, he was he was joyous, which is crazy. Again, not not something that I can even begin to fathom, or I think any of us can truly can. But but I have to say that for me, one of the some of the greatest sources of inspiration for me are when when I the and I've met people. You know, in, I remember meeting somebody who lost a child and 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 is able to 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 have joy in their life. I mean, and use that actually as a. a, a sense of purpose to help other people in the same situation. And more than that, because I know this the story, like to create a legacy for the child they lost, right? right, right. Keeping them alive in different ways that inspire others. Right. And and if I think for all of our listeners, especially those who have experienced deep trauma, to, to know that certainly you are not in any way damaged, certainly not not but the opposite is true, that you're actually a great soul. And that, and that you have an opportunity and the ability, and the ability to not only get through that trauma be, or pass it or beyond it, but actually use it as a source of great light, inspiration, and growth. As I was thinking about this topic and these ideas, there's a famous Rumi quote. I love Rumi. Yes, that I think can help all of us, but certainly those of us who are dealing with darkness. 
to really have a different perspective. So he writes, This being human is a guest house. Every morning is a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Treat each guest honorably. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes, because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. Yeah, that never gets old. I love that. Yeah. So I'd like to share a message from one of our listeners. It's a good time to remind all of our listeners to make sure to send your questions, comments, stories, inspirations to Monica and Michael at spirituallyhungry.life. Monica and Michael at spirituallyhungry.life. We read, we try to read almost all the messages that you send. And of course, we get to share them with the rest of our listeners. So you get to inspire so many people. So from Melody, she writes, I really love the real life interactions between you. I guess that's me and you, Mom. I should really enjoyed how we started this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Too many people withdraw or get angry when a conversation gets heated. Do you think we get heated? Only if I try and make it. I don't know. Do we? <laughs> to have a healthy relationship is to make a commitment to explore difficult topics and emotions and to know that as a couple, you are also an independent individual. Therefore, difficult conversations are inevitable. To have a healthy relationship, each person in the relationship must commit to being open, to resolving difficult feelings or ideas, to allow each other to grow, and for the relationship to evoke and strengthen. I look forward to listening to more of your podcasts. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. I always, so, it's interesting always to hear how people see us, right? I don't give much thought to it, but then I'm like, huh, you're about lens. Yeah, I think, <laughs> no, I think that... Well, <laughs> no, it just reminds me, early on, I remember we got this message, I think it was on Facebook or otherwise, where, where people... Savia, obviously a listener who didn't know us, um, she was like, you know, I really, I'm really enjoyed, but when that, when the man keeps interrupting the woman, you know, he never lets her speak. Yes, you took that note to heart. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, a reminder to all of our listeners, please share this podcast with everybody you know, give five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, and, and again, everywhere, anywhere else you get this podcast from, and remember to send your comments, questions, stories, inspirations, to Monica and Michael at spirituallyhungry.life. And as always, we hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as we enjoyed recording it. Stay spiritually hungry. <laughs>